Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you during this third week of May 2011 and feeling very excited about our show today. Our topic is Native Americans on Film, and we're very, we're very excited about it. And we hope to be talking with filmmaker Sunrise Tipikani and actress-director Valerie Redhorse to find out what Native American filmmakers are doing to improve the portrayal of Native Americans in movies. And they are here right now. I'm going to bring them on. We'll start the discussion later, but I just want everyone to know that they are here. So I'm going to start, uh, ladies first. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Valerie. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And um, as I mentioned to you, I'm in rural Minnesota at the moment on a reservation, um, and I hope everyone can hear me okay, and I'm just delighted to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are really happy to have you, and we can we can hear you just fine. And we also have Sunrise with us, so uh, Sunrise, welcome to you also to Movie Attic Headquarters. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I'm um, in a hectic uh, mode of working on a movie, but uh, taking some good time out to talk to you guys. I'm excited to hear what uh, Valerie also has to say, so I'm excited. <laughs> well, we've been we've been after you for a long time, haven't we, Sunrise? And so we finally have you and I'm I'm so happy that you uh that you were able to get away from the set and be with us. And we also have with us our co producer, Misha Zubarev, who is the person who referred who referred uh, you to me, Sunrise. And so um, as soon as we finish talking with Valerie, I'm going to have Misha get on the get on the line and uh, give a little background information about about you. But uh, Valerie, I am so in admiration of the work that you're doing to help um, change the way <laughs> Native Americans are portrayed in movies. I absolutely loved your movie, Naturally. Native. It's one of my oh, favorites. Thank you. Thank you so and much. I, I appreciate well, well, I don't know whether you remember or not, but right after that film was released, I had a chance to talk with you and Irene Bedard about the, the movie. And uh, I, I just am wanting to encourage all of our listeners to um, to watch that, that movie. And also the work you're doing with an organization called HAPN and why don't we start with with that? Why don't you tell us uh, before you talk about naturally native? Why don't you talk about uh, that particular organization and give Absolutely. us a little update? I would be delighted. Um, when we launched the film Naturally Native, we also launched our nonprofit arm. Um, naturally Native was produced by my production company, Red Horse Native Productions, and. 
So Red Horse Native Production launched a nonprofit arm, which is a 501c3, called Hollywood Access Program for Natives. The short acronym is HAPNIN. And that is a training organization um, that supports um, Native Americans of all ages into the film industry, film and entertainment industry. And so on every film production, we bring um, Native students, uh, again, of all ages, who want to learn a discipline in film, um, predominantly behind the camera. We do have programs for in front of the camera that are a little bit different, but uh, we have in, in apprenticeships and internships so that alongside all of our professionals, they'll be in different departments, in the costuming department, in, in the directing area, in the script supervision, whatever the um, interest area lies, then there'll be a Native person working alongside a professional from the industry. And we found that it was really important because Hollywood is an industry of internships and mentorships and learning on the job. You can't always um, go to school to learn some of these disciplines. You can go to film school, but that doesn't always teach you on-the-job experience. And it is a very closed industry, and we see a lot of um, nepotism, but also there's a lot of positive role modeling, and we just needed to get our Native people involved with that. So what better to do it than from amongst the Native production company. And so we definitely want to get the word out that anyone who's interested can reach out to me on my website at ValerieRedhorse.com, and we keep on file those people that are interested. And every time we are in production, we will sponsor several Native Americans into the program. And most of them have then gone on to work in Hollywood as a regular professional in that discipline, um, and it's a great launching pad. What a wonderful organization! I'm, I'm just so glad that you're that you've uh, that you've done that. And um, I, I need to interrupt for just a second because we usually have um, people who sign up for the chat while the live show is going on, but we're having some technical difficulties. And our co-host um, Jazz Shaw also uh, said that he had trouble getting into the to the chat room. Jazz, is that um, is that still uh, a problem for people? Uh is I'm assuming it's still a problem for people. It's still a problem for me, that's for sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we're sorry. We're very very sorry about that, but uh, please uh people uh stick around and and listen because uh I think you're going to be fascinated with the discussion and and we do apologize for the technical difficulties we we usually uh don't have that uh that happening but but Valerie back back to you I know that you can't stay for the entire show so I want to make sure that our listeners know about your movie Naturally Native uh Tell a little bit about it. Uh, tell a little bit about that movie Absolutely. and uh, why you made it. Well, we made it. Uh, we're coming up on the, I guess, the 11 year anniversary. So it was one of our first feature films, and I uh, wrote the film and wanted to have it made in Hollywood. I thought someone was going to come along and buy it from one of the big studios, and in the end, I realized that it was better to make it sort of from within the community. So the Manchuk Pequot tribe um, financed the entire film, and we produced it and um, had behind the camera and in front of the camera Native American involvement. So it was great in that respect. And we tried to really honor um, a Native story, a contemporary Native story. As you mentioned, um, Irene Bedard starred in it, as well as Kimberly Norris Guerrero and 
Floyd Westerman, uh, bless his uh, soul and his memory. He's since passed on, and we just had a great Native cast, um, and so it was basically financed by and produced by, directed by, written by, um, distributed by all Native uh, talent uh, from a business standpoint as well as a creative standpoint, which I think was, was probably a, a first in in uh, Hollywood. And um, the great thing for me is it, it obviously told a, a personal story. It was my life story of finding my heritage and just everything that uh, it entailed. And, and I'm involved in working in tribal gaming in my other life as an investment banker. And it told a little bit about kind of understanding Indian gaming and our community and identity and role numbers and all of that stuff and um, uh, our identity as women and Indian women. And what I really love about it is it served as sort of an educational tool. So even beyond its um, screen presence in theaters, and we just recently had a Turner Classic premiere on television. But outside oh, of Hollywood, great. as it were, yeah, that was that was great. Um, but outside of Hollywood, we have screened on an ice glacier in Norway for the Sami people. Um, we've shown at every major university. It's really a tour around the world and been an educational. A media experience for people to just learn about who we are as Native people in a contemporary setting, and that's been a real blessing. And it's also led to several other projects. We've done four or five films since then. We're working on um, some really exciting projects now, and so uh, it, it will be one of my favorite memories as a filmmaker. It was my directorial debut. Um, and you know I've done several things since then, and so I'm I thank God every day for that opportunity, and I think the Pequots for that opportunity, and just it's it's a great memory for me. Well, and a great memory for the people that get to watch it too. And uh, do you know whether it's thank available you. on Netflix? Because Jazz is a big Netflix fan, so I know he's he's wanting to know if it's available on Netflix. You know, I everyone has told me that we should have pursued that, and we we didn't. That is my fault. It is available at naturallynative.com online, okay. and it's available at several Indian. Um, I, I tried to stay sort of indigenous, you know, so a lot of um, Indian distributors carry it as well as casino gift stores. Um, we've never gone sort of beyond that, which we should have, um, and, and I should probably still fill out that form and get it at Netflix. But in the immediacy, if someone wants to order it, it's at um, naturallynative.com. NaturallyNative.com. So, listeners, be sure to to uh, check it out there. Well, I am just so happy that you were able to uh, that we were able to catch you today in your in your travels, and um, we hope that we can get you back um, and uh, spend a whole show with you. Would Would you be willing to do that, Valerie? I would love that. I'd love that. I'd love to talk about some of the projects we're working on now and. Um, you know, just spend a little more time. But I am uh, on the White Earth Reservation in northern Minnesota and working on a project up here, and the reception's not great. So I'm thankful that you had me on as a guest and that I could spend a little time. But let's do it longer next time, and I'd love to, um, uh, you know, answer any questions. And, and like I said before, if any of your listeners have questions that they weren't able to ask because of the chat room, um, or the time element, uh, they can reach me at ValerieRedHorse.com, and I'm very accessible that way. Great, ValerieRedHorse.com. So I'm sure you'll be hearing from some of our listeners, and we'll be back in touch with you. Thanks so much. And, um, oh, thank uh, you. And we'll, we'll uh, let you go now. So uh, best of luck with all your exciting projects. Oh, I appreciate that. And have a great show. Your other guests are fabulous and um 
say hello to everyone for me, and thank you very, very much. Have a great day. You too, Val. Bye now. That was a stroke of luck, being able to catch Valerie today. And now we want to hear from Sunrise, but I'm going to call on Misha because he is the one who uh, who found Sunrise for us. So, Misha, how did you get in touch with Sunrise, and could you tell us a little bit of his background information that impressed you before we bring him on? Hi, Bejo. So, first, I just want to say it's so good, great to be back on your show again, and uh uh, Jazz, I know you're listening. You're other too. <laughs> Hello to you as well. <laughs> and uh, hey, how you doing? I, I knew. Hey, how are you? Um, uh, yeah. So I know actually Sunrise and I. Um, it's how we met. We met uh, at college at Temple University. Uh, we were classmates, oh. and uh, we had a class in cinematography. And um, he helped me on uh, one of the films uh, as a cinematographer. And uh, you know, and we just became over over the course of time, we became friends. And um, uh, right now, he he he's living and he's working in Oklahoma. And it turned out, and I live in New York City. And it turned out that he had a film premiere at the Native American uh, Film Festival uh, this uh, this this past uh, few months, last month. So he came for the premiere, and he invited me, and I came to see his film, and we reconnected after uh, I'd say it was maybe a few years since we've last. Uh, uh, less seen each other, so it, it was very nice to see him. And I, I, you know, I, uh, I suggest told him that uh, I um, write for Real Talk Reviews, and, uh, and we have this great radio show. And I, I was really impressed, you know, with the Native American film and cinema. And as a matter of fact, right now I'm also working on the Native American project, and which Sunrise was uh, consulting me on. And I just thought it would be great to have him come and speak because he has just a tremendous amount of. Uh, knowledge about Native American cinema and about uh, cinema in general. And as you know, he is also a, a teacher, a professor at Oklahoma University. He teaches, I believe, a class on screenwriting, which which I'm sure he'll tell you about uh, shortly. And he's, uh, as I said before, he's a cinematographer. Uh, and he just has he knows every aspect of film. And uh, he's just somebody great to, to talk to and uh, to, 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 to listen to because he's got a lot of things to say. And with that, I would like to oh, welcome wow. Sunrise. Sunrise, was Misha correct about everything he said about you? Uh, I don't know if that's actually, I mean, like, I do teach some screenwriting. I, I do know some about Native cinema, uh, cinema in general. It's always a growing passion of mine. And um, I, I, I am actually really honored to be on the same show as Valerie Redhorse because she's always been sort of inspiration, not just for me, for several of other of my Native American filmmaking friends. And um, I remember hearing a lot about her movies and seeing it uh, when it came out. It was really astounding because it was one of the first times that we'd seen a lot of natives depicted in modern times. And that's sort of um, one thing that is not uh, as prevalent as it should be. And I think she took the step, the, one of the first steps in the right direction um, for a yeah, lot of like sure. native youth today. And uh, well, for but, sure. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm just impressed yeah. with the. Uh, the diversity of your filmmaking experience, uh, gaffer, electrician, cinematographer, editor, director, consultant, and producer, and the, all the various movies that uh, you have credits in, American Indian Graffiti, The Thing Life, This Thing Life, The Killer Inside Me, Splinter, Immaculate Reception, Yellow, and Loneliness. And I mean, that's and, – and I think you're working on a movie now called uh, – Cowgirls and Angels, is that correct? 
Yes, that's correct. I'm on the set of Cowgirls and Angels right now. It's starring James Cromwell and uh, Frankie Faison, and it's going to be uh, a big movie probably in next next summer or something like that. Um, and it's a family and, uh, movie. It's a family movie, yes. It's a rodeo movie. It's a young girl. She learns um, how to trick ride for the rodeo, and it's all in Oklahoma, and it's about Oklahoma. So that's something that's also really interesting to me is uh, sort of like <laughs> right. regionalism in cinema. I'm really interested in how Oklahoma is depicted specifically, but um, because Oklahoma has uh, 33 tribes, I totally recognize oh. tribes. There's a lot of native work that also comes out of Oklahoma, both like uh, artwork but also film work. And uh, this is like sort of like one of the hubs here. This in uh, New Mexico, I think there's a lot of native work that's coming out. And it's really amazing to see. You know, Sterling Harjo is making a lot of work out here, and Black Horse Low will come out here every now and then. Um, so uh, it's uh, I've been lucky. I've been fortunate to be able to work um, in different areas of uh, filmmaking process. Right now I'm gapping this particular feature. And uh, I've been able to work as a producer or as a, as a writer or as an electrician or as a gaffer and I uh, direct of photography. And I see it from different angles. And um, I'm really excited to hear what Valerie's talking about, sort of like mentoring young natives into the process of making because that's a really important part of the process that we sort of forget. There, uh, there are a lot of writers and directors, but there's also a lot of people that help make the movie function, the people who like the movie, the people who dress the movie for the arts and people who set up the food and people who record the sound. And um, sometimes I think we forget these things, but they're all important. And uh, the more yes, it's a collaborative, have, definitely a collaborative. Art. Well, Sunrise, uh, I hate to admit this, but I'm from the generation that when I first started going to movies, um, my cousins and I would were were really movie addicts from the get-go, and so we spent the weekends at the movies. There were there were two two movie houses right across from each other, and we'd go to one on you know Saturday with a double feature, and then uh, Sunday with a double feature, and it was usually the westerns. We were exposed to um, to the uh, uh, <laughs> Native Americans being the bad sure. guys. Yeah. We were exposed to the war path, the war paint, all of all of that kind of thing, and the I mean it's just it's just ridiculous the way uh, Native Americans were portrayed in yeah. in our movies and uh, clear up till what would it be uh, Dances with Wolves I don't know was that the yeah, old, the first movie where the yeah. yeah where the whites became the the bad guys and the and the Indians were the were the good guys now what are what are you and your um other native filmmakers doing to change the way native americans are portrayed in hollywood movies um well a lot of them will uh, attack that sort of image there's a sort of a stereotype there's several stereotypes that come from you know like the 1950 westerns and 1960 westerns and it's like the stoic indian that is quiet and has broken english and has no education and is sort of a drunk and stumbling around and foolish and um, has no wise words to say, or it's the opposite. It's like somebody who's very enlightened, very spiritually inclined, very connected with nature. And um, these things do exist. I mean, they all come from a reality, but um, there are other types of people that exist that are Native Americans. And um, just having those two do not depict the full society. Um, so right. what, what's happening now are people who are telling stories from a younger point of view, people who are telling stories about 
um, maybe natives who are spiritually inclined but not mature and they, they don't quite know how to pray maybe or they don't know quite the culture and they're struggling to uh, identify that within themselves and their family and sometimes they don't know how to connect to nature sometimes they they are drunk um, so like there's a lot of um, sort of finding out what's real and what's not through creating more three-dimensional characters that have maybe they're spiritually enlightened, but also they have a lot of flaws, or they are drunk, but also they're really smart and go to school. So um, there's lots of balancing um, coming out, and a lot of uh, modern tales, tales that have to do with people who are um, today and not in the 1880s in the West. Um, uh, and that's I again like Valerie it, it took that step and Sterling Harjo is doing that right now. Black Horse is doing that right now. Um, and so there are a lot of people that are trying to help make uh, people aware that we are still alive and uh, we do have a culture that we're clinging on to. But it's not it's not everything that we are. Um, we're still Americans or Canadians, and so. We live in a contemporary culture where we watch TV and we listen to pop music, and that's part of our life as well. And that's something that um, is also sort of trying to be depicted. And, and there is sometimes there's a spiritual outlook on that. Sometimes they're not. And um, so there's lots of these kind of characters that, that uh, are struggling with these things. My my current shorts that I direct right now are all attempting to assess how popular culture enters our our cultural life, whether we take things that are of popular culture and put them into our spiritual life, how that how, how it affects us, um, whether or not we rely on technology or versus nature, um, whether or not we actually believe in the traditions that were taught, whether or not it makes any sense to us. Um, it, it, during the 70s, there was sort of a movement in, in, in cinema where we started to, American cinema started to see the native as, as being the savior of the West and sort of like being more enlightened and showing us that uh, we need to start thinking about the earth and start thinking about our future, which, which is true. That comes from a lot of traditional teaching. Um, but today um, there are some tribes and some tribal people that believe that maybe we're not teaching those things um, clearly enough and maybe those values aren't being passed. And so um, there are younger people that are maybe confused about whether or not those things are accurate or true or we should follow those things. Um, that's not to say that there are people, there are young people who are very smart, very intelligent about passing on our culture and our traditions, and, um, but it's a mixed bag. So uh, we are not only educating, I guess, uh, uh, America and sort of like trying to um, place a more contemporary and accurate depiction of ourselves on the screen, but we're also trying to teach ourselves um, to ask the appropriate questions about, are we doing this the right way? Is this really what's happening? Uh, trying to enlighten ourselves as well as, as everyone else. Betty well, Joe, I, I gotta jump I, I I gotta jump in there because I've been quiet yes, for most of the show. Yes, I was just gonna ask Jazz. Go ahead. <laughs> Something that Betty Joe doesn't know because we've never discussed this before, uh, Sunrise, is that I've actually done some work in this area. I write in politics for a living in addition to uh doing mm. movies. I've done a series of interviews with Russell Means and mm. I'm just curious, between media, both big screen and small screen and this change in the message, how much do you see of an impact from the people who were more revolutionaries like Russell Means, the, the, the conflicts that have gone on in the past, some, sometimes violent, uh, sometimes very political in nature, trying to trying to lobby Congress. But um, do, do you see that being represented in a way that 
Russell has tried to do things, and I know he's a very controversial figure, even uh, in, in you know inside the community. But uh, do you see that being represented, being demonized, being heroic to the next generation as they see these changes in media portrayal? Um, in media portrayal, I think uh, what I've what I've heard some people talk about is uh, how contemporary Native cinema is trying to address those issues in a more, um, uh, I guess, communicative way. Um, in the 70s, when, when those like American Indian movement started to uh, form and it was very vocal by taking over you know, the Bureau of Indian Affairs or, or taking over um, uh, certain buildings, federal buildings, that was an action that created um, a statement. But today... Um, I guess what has been described as the the activism that happens is written into screenplays or it's written into television and is written to poetry and novels. And so the artwork is sort of like creating this response and this way of talking about these things that, that hasn't been available recently or before that. Um, it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of the Iranian revolution to some extent. I mean, there's not as um, suppressive before the artwork comes out, but there's a lot of talk that comes through the artwork. And, and it's like in painting now, and it's in books, like I said, not just cinema. So that, that I think the younger people are very aware, and um, the Internet helps them be very aware of, of history and who these people are and, and their point of view and what it is that they're trying to do. Um, but I think we're um, not necessarily less active, but we're not as violent about discussing these things. But they're still a common discussion. Sure, not not the physical violence, but I was just curious because I I have always I have found him such an engaging character, and I, and I've spoken to him a number of times. There there is no design de- denying that on a certain level, Russell is still fighting a war. He's fighting a yeah. war that a lot of people stopped fighting a long time ago, and he's he's yeah. got a truckload of young bucks out there a few years ago going counting coup on a Black Hawk helicopter, and oh, I'm not yeah. seeing that in movies. But I'm just curious, do you think sure. that there is still a widespread element of that among people in the society, and is that something that should be more represented in films and, and TV? Yeah, this is a good, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, when I say it's in film, I, I would say it's more in documentary. Like Benny Klain is a Navajo filmmaker. He just did something about Columbus Day in Denver, where Columbus Day mm-hmm. was originated. And uh, there was a lot of um, dissenting voice on different sides, like the Italian-Americans as well as the Native Americans, about whether or not Columbus should be celebrated. Um, and so there was heavy activism when that was um, when that was documented. I think that was 2007. Um, so he's got an amazing documentary, and there's a lot of documentaries about that kind of work. Um, uh, Absolutely. But yeah, but but when it comes to fictional narratives, there there isn't so much. There's a lot more focus on sort of family themes and um, mm-hmm. coming of age films, um, which is appropriate. I think that's where we sort of are, like culturally, we're sort of like reviving and be growing again. Um, so uh, I, I think there's more of that maybe from like the, the 70s, 80s. There's really um, cool movie with Irene Bernard and she is um, fighting at Wounded Knee. Um, but that sort of picture isn't around right now, and that's really that would be really amazing to see. Um, I think right now yeah. we have so many young filmmakers, and they're just trying to identify their voice. So a lot of the films are very personal, very small, 
not so um, didactic about politics yet. So, but I think that's probably going to come in the next ten years once you know they they mature and they they find their voice. And um, I'd be excited to see that because I think the politics is changing, not just in terms of how tribes react to the government um, and recreations but also to each other, how tribes are maybe having internal strife. I know our own tribe, but I'm enrolled in the Comanche tribe, and we have a lot of questions about whether or not the leadership is appropriate or whether or not our, the way that we spend money that's coming from our income is spent appropriately and uh, uh, whether or not our social services are, are being dealt with appropriately. And So there's lots of questions internally, but also other tribes. There are tribes that sort of are trying to figure out whether or not they want to live next to each other, like the Hopi and the Navajo have a, a classic example about who owns the land, who should be um, dictating where the land is. And, and today, I think the Cheyenne Arapaho, they're trying to figure out if they want to be one tribe or two. And um, There's lots of these things, and I think these are probably going to be the narratives that occur um, once filmmakers start making fictional narratives about them. Um, the, well, I, the, I think I, I can hardly wait to see see some of these, and I, because this is Movie Addict headquarters, we we do like to kind of take a look at at the films that have already been made, and I'm I'm very curious to find out from you, Sunrise, in your opinion, what's the best, and on the other extreme, the worst mainstream film about Native Americans. I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, and I wonder if my picks. Uh, jive with yours. So, have you? Uh, do you have a best and worst? <laughs> the best mainstream film. So, like the question, I always am trying to figure out what mainstream means. Um, but the mainstream, I usually associate with coming out in the theater or being seen by a wide audience across America. Um, yes. And the the best mainstream movie that, that that is my favorite that has come out and was distributed by Sony Pictures was actually uh, an Inuit film directed by Zacharias Connect called The Fast Runner. Um, the Fast Runner? Was, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, it's really I amazing. I didn't get incredible. to see it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it's really incredible. It, it, it was one of the first Native pictures to be shot on HD, and it was an Inuit community with very, um, very few um, in the community. It's like the whole community you know, helped make this film, and it was came out of sort of a communal project. Um and it's, it tells it like an, uh, an older tale, and uh, it's very traditional in its teachings. Uh, it's a really incredible film, and I think he is um, actually a world master, not just in, like a native cinema, but all over cinema history. I think he's leading us into a new language and making us think about nature and and, and the medium in a new way. Um, so when it comes to a film that I think depicts us in in, in a less Desirable mode. Um, there are um, too many examples, probably. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah, how long is the uh, show? That's <laughs> right. Well, pick one. The worst yeah. one out of all of the all of the many. I mean, there, there, what's great is that there are native actors that are working. Um, yes. And I, I appreciate whenever I see them, and even if 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 I have qualms about the narrative or about the depiction. I am always happy to see Native actors acting, and um, it's, it's hard for me to really pin down a, a movie today. Um, but uh, I, I think about, there are steps that are being taken toward a, toward a better light. Like, I just saw the Casino Jack movie with um, Kevin Spacey in it, and it, uh-huh. it's about Jack Abramoff, and 
in real life based on reality, and he dealt with a lot of tribal people. There's some great Native actors in that, and they're depicted uh, as really strong characters, and I thought that was a really uh, a great opportunity for for depiction. Well, we didn't have to Brave worry about Green that when, we were, when I was favorite. growing up, Eddie Joe, did we? Because usually yeah. they would try to get somebody who was Italian to play a Native American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had Graham Green. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's not funny, but it's actor. true. Graham yeah, Greene. He's, he's in, he's in um, of course, he, he won an Oscar, Best Supporting Oscar nomination for his work in Dances with Wolves. And so many of uh, the films that I, I have enjoyed, uh, Graham Greene has been yeah. in it. What a name, though. Graham Greene, um, I think, I well, is that Green. the British author? <laughs> no, Graham Greene. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> But he's just—he's just wonderful. He's been in so many. Well, I—I I really think it would have. Uh, if we were picking a worst one, it would have to be one of John Ford's films. But yeah. you know, there—he—he uh, he was a great—he was a great uh, director. But I'm telling you, I remember the first film that scared me. Uh, I mean, that had the that the had. Uh, uh, it, no, it was well. Oh, the Searchers was one. But um, oh my gosh, what is that one that just scared me? Have to drums along the Mohawk. I was back. The drums in along the Oh yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is frightening, and the, even the searchers. Like I get frightened when I see that. And I remember when I was young, I was frightened, and I didn't connect with the, the Indians. I, I sort of didn't understand it was Indians attacking a home, and and, and I, later when I came into college, I started to realize that. That actual tribe that's attacking people is really malicious and really vengeful. Is my own tribe. And I get really, wow. really yeah, and it's really, yeah, that um, was that you. that one was on my was on my list. Um there were so so many um Indians who were uh, who were who died in battle in uh, in these movies by <laughs> by John Ford. Yeah. So yeah. that I those are two that would be on my list. But I loved uh, smoke signals. If I were, if maybe you don't call that a mainstream Film about no, that's definitely that's definitely a mainstream movie, and I I remember when that came out, it, everyone was so excited, and there was like cheering and and laughing, and it was such a great audience with all the natives when that came out. It was really incredible, really powerful, and um, really empowering. Uh, that, so Absolutely. Yeah, and nobody. I mean, I hope. I hope all of our listeners who haven't seen Smoke Signals will try to will try to see it. That first scene where the the DJ says, uh, it's a good day to be indigenous. I mean, and I was just drawn <laughs> in. <laughs> and then the humor in the in the film and the the whole the the dialogue between the two main actors, I mean, and of course was it uh, directed by a Native American Yes direct, it was by Chris Ayer. Chris Ayer. Yeah. And it was based on Sherman Alexie's um Oh gosh, he wrote a, a book or a story called. And I, yeah, I wish they would yeah, have used was, this. Uh, the last, uh, the oh, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Yes, and, and Tonto fist fight, fight in heaven. heaven. Yes. <laughs> what a title! Yes, that's, and that's a good. That's a good novel. A lot of good short stories. He's really an incredible writer. Uh, Sherman Alexie. Yes. Yeah. So there. So there. There are some good ones. I. I did, of course, love Naturally Native. I know it didn't get. A, a big distribution, and there's a there's a movie called Christmas in the Clouds. Again, there's oh, Graham Greene the plays a yes. vegetarian chef. It's <laughs> just one of the most delightful screwball comedies that I have ever seen, and it's a, it's about a um, 
it takes place on a, a ski lodge owned by a Native American tribe. And it, it has so many interesting characters and a great romance. Uh, and so I'm definitely recommending that as one. But you're talking about the actors who uh, have Native American ancestry. And my goodness, there's so many of them. I, some of them I didn't even realize. Of course, Gary Farmer stands yeah, Gary out. Farmer. He's made wonderful performances and um i did not know that uh share was oh, Cher. Had a native had a yes, native american yes, an- ancestry or that angie harman also oh wow i didn't know that either yeah so there i mean i was just looking you know looking through the list at all the <laughs> all the actors that had uh, um adam beach is doing a great job in yeah. his uh, moves. He's he's really getting a lot of uh, play. And Dennis Weaver was, and James Garner, and Benjamin Bratt, and Taylor Lautner, I think, the, the guy yeah, that's... Taylor Lautner's uh, very popular right now, yeah. Yeah, Wes Studi, and my my gosh, Will Sampson, but... Uh, I'm with you. Uh it's it's good to see the see the Native Americans working on the films and and acting acting in the films. Well, Jazz, do you have a best and worst pick in terms of the uh, Native uh, Americans? Well, yeah, but nobody's going to really care for mine. First of all, I thought Dance with Wolves was a horrible movie. I've said that before and and it had, you know, just really no relevance i i thought it was uh cinematically terrific it was once again as typical in the genre beautiful film with, with tons of great cinematography I, I i just thought the message was terrible and i and i didn't care for the story um i i went for something more obscure for one of the earliest films that i remember that had something more of a positive message about Native Americans, and, and, I, and get ready for this, because this goes back a real long ways. Key Largo, the original Key Largo. Oh, yeah. With yeah. Humphrey Bogart. Oh. Um, it was a film where that wasn't the main storyline, but one of the under underlying themes that was going on was the fact that there were Native Americans who were being unjustly accused of something that in the end they weren't even responsible for three quarters of what they're, but it was just so easy to blame them and let's go shoot, shoot down the red man, you know, because that just solves these problems kind of situation. Well, there's this other story with the real criminals playing out. And I thought that was one of the very early steps to show that, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, you're really treating people really badly and not even giving it a second thought. And that was, that was one of the ones that came to mind for me. That's an interesting choice. We haven't heard from Misha. I wonder if he has any picks for the best and the and the worst films about uh, Native Americans. <laughs> Hi, Misha. <laughs> hey, yes. I uh, well, I, I really didn't come up with a list of best or worst. Um, I've been reading a lot of novels, though. I like Tony Killerman. He uh, um, he represents. Uh, he I think wrote about like almost over a dozen novels uh, in the uh, Navajo Reservation. And uh, they actually adapted a few of them into films like Skinwalker and uh, yeah. uh, I think uh, uh, Skinwalker was, there's a chant where some, um, I, uh, I can't remember, Windwalker, Windwalker, Skinwalkers. I mean, those are obviously, um, I'm not sure if, I, I guess they would be more commercial and 
they are they deal with mysticism and they deal with uh, things that I guess a lot of sometimes uh, Native Americans could find uh, our interpretation of Native uh, mysticism offensive uh, for obvious reasons because uh, we always take things tend to take things uh, like that out of context and. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, Tony Holman is very well respected in the reservation. I know he was. Uh, uh, he, he's always. Uh, uh, he, he's it's never frowned upon when I, at least referring to his novels. And he, I know he lived there for a long time. Although the adaptation of, of the films, I can't. I'm not sure how Native Americans would react to the the, the film adaptations themselves. But I think the books are um, were interesting. I I, I I like smoke signals. I thought it was a really fun piece. I, I loved um I like what really stood out for me in smoke signals was the transitions between the scenes. I thought that was actually very original, especially for the time. Uh how they uh, made different uh, like cinematic positions. Uh like when they were I think they were in the bus and then the camera kind of went to the window and then it just kinda of turned and to another scene. It all kind of looked very seamless and uh, I, I just like that, cin- that uh, cinematography aspect of it, and I thought the dialogue, uh, uh, the character dialogue, was also witty at some point. Um, Absolutely, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I cannot believe <laughs> that uh, how fast the time has gone by today, uh, and uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, that Sunrise had a chance to answer this question that we that we ask all of our uh, all of our guests, and that is. What's the most important thing you want people to know about you, Sunrise? That's a good question. I would say that um, uh, if people knew that uh, I am always interested to hear what they have to say about Native cinema and cinema in general, um, you know, because if if I'm a Native filmmaker and I'm making a film and my my audience target audience, maybe 1% of the U.S. population, that doesn't mean I'm not going to make a movie for everybody else. So um, having this discussion about hearing what, what what's what's uh, good for you, what, what you thought was bad, uh, is really interesting to me because that's going to help uh, create more stories because uh, our audience is not just Native audiences, it's everybody. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but- I, I love that answer, and I see that it is time to wrap things up. So I want to thank you very much, Sunrise, for um, for being with us. You were well worth waiting for, and I also would uh, issue the invitation to come back on our show when when we can spend more more time with you. Will Will you do that when you when you have a little more sure, time I- to spend with us? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. This is great. Good. Well, we'll we'll hold you to that, and um, we're we're going to be wrapping things up. So this is Betty Jo Tucker with a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio and WRSP93.com for their support, and thanks to Jazz and Misha for all their help, as well as to our uh, chatters. At least the the people who tried to sign up for the chat, we do apologize for that, and other listeners. And we have a special message to Nikki Starr, our producer extraordinaire. Get well soon. We all miss you. Please come back next time, dear listeners, when Michelle Danner will be here to talk about her extraordinary career as a director, actress, producer, and acting coach for such stars as Gerard Butler, Chris Rock, Penelope Cruz, James Franco, Salma Hayek, and Christian Slater. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com, and you'll find some of... Misha Zuberev's fine articles on that site, too. Uh, 
That's all for now, folks. So here's the talented A.J. Daniels to take us out with a song dedicated to all you listeners. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.